sorry, spoiler alert, but that show's mad old. So <laughs> I guess I'm not going to watch if it. If you were still going to watch it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you, you, your time has come. This is your only warning. This episode will spoil one plot point from season two of The West Wing. And here's another spoiler. Rachel Hampton and Madison Malone Kircher from Slate are really fun to talk to. You are about to hear why today on Follow Friday. But first, I want to tell you about The Best Advice Show. It's a super short daily podcast about weird, delightful, and effective ways to survive and thrive. In every episode, you'll hear from a different person on how they made their life better, healthier, saner, and more livable. You will get advice on everything from keeping your anger in check to gamifying cooking for yourself. That's The Best Advice Show. Get it every morning wherever you listen to podcasts. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. Hey. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. So now right away. With no further delay. It's Friday. Friday. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, a show about the best people on the internet and why you should follow them. If you're new to the show, welcome. Every week, I talk to the internet creators I admire most about who they follow online. These include podcasters, writers, comedians, musicians, and more. They have amazing taste and will guide us to the people they find fascinating who we should be following too. Today on the show, we have Rachel Hampton and Madison Malone Kircher, the hosts of the podcast I See Why Am I? That's short for In Case You Missed It, and it is a lovely new internet culture podcast from Slate. Here's a clip from a recent episode they did about Little Nas X's song Montero. The first voice you hear in this clip is Madison's. I really feel like I owe Little Nas X a thank you as a gay person who spent 10 years in Catholic school because I feel uh, very much primed to explain that there is a quote in the Book of Luke that goes, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning, uh, which this video takes incredibly literally. I mean, the reaction me and Madison are having is largely the reaction the Friday night internet had. People were losing their absolute shit. There were just so many like supportive tweets. There were so many tweets from like gay kids who grew up in the church. There were just tweets from people like someone named Catboy Slim who said, if being quiet and chill is your thing, that's absolutely wonderful for you. But it's genuinely nice to see someone with Lil Nas X's recent influence getting killed by a butt plug and pole dancing into hell. Finally, a little freak representation. And you can follow along with us today. Every person they recommend will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com. Rachel Madison, welcome to Follow Friday. Hi, Eric. Hi. Hi, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having I've already forgotten which nice word you use to describe our, our taste about the internet, but uh, <laughs> the bar has been set high. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give you some absolutely trash content just to say that you lied to your lovely listeners. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. How, how horrible. <laughs> well, before we get into the followers, there's this idea I wanted to ask you about. It's a sort of meme I've seen floating around Twitter, so roughly since Joe Biden was inaugurated, that we've somehow time warped back a few years to like a different era of the internet. Like, like we have a cultural reset going on. So do you agree with that? Are we in a cultural reset? I feel like we kind of always are. Like, I think there's always just like these waves where it's like, okay, something new is about to come up. And are we going to accept it? Are we going to 
deal with it. I think there's just like a lot of things happening on the internet right now because we're all online, extremely online. And so because we are all online, there's always just some something new happening, some new meme that's going to be overused in exactly 24 hours. So you could say that a cultural reset happens every 24 hours on Twitter or on the internet in general. I'm thinking about like the cultural reset, the return to internet culture of of your of late to me is best signified by the uh, the obsession with the Biden's dogs. Yeah. My least favorite <laughs> genre of Twitter because did you know like centrist policies are great as long as they also own a puppy, <laughs> a, a rescue dog. The Associated How Press cute. wrote a story about where the, one of the Biden's dogs pooped. Yeah. It's just <laughs> it's so funny to me that that I just can't believe it's still going. Like we're we're months past the inauguration. And like the doggos of the White oh, House God. are still being. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, to use <laughs> such a cursed word. All right. So let's say we are in a reset. What is something good about the old days of the Internet that you would like to see come back? Well, this probably wasn't great for her, but I miss the era of the Internet where teenagers uh, I miss Rebecca Black is what oh. I'm saying. I want like bangers brought to you by cookie cutter companies that people's parents paid <laughs> to make them into pop stars. My Jeans, Friday. These these were hits. I feel like Rebecca Black definitely appreciates that that song came out. It's why she's still like YouTube famous. Yeah, she just did like a big collaboration with 100 Gex, I think. She she's still going. She's still got it. Yeah, she's she's living her absolute best life. Yeah, on a Friday, <laughs> driving in her car in the back seat. Got to make my mind up. I want to bring back, honestly, there was this era, I really go back to Tumblr so often that Madison is going to like murder me if I say Tumblr one more time, but there was this era in Tumblr where it's just was like purely aesthetic blogs. Like it was just photos that were all like one color about like with random like interior design things. And it somehow felt less manufactured than like the really pretty Instagrams do. I don't know why, but... I, I kind of miss that, where you could just go on a blog and just be like, it's devoted to the color purple, and I'm going to see photos of lavender and, like, Paris in a purple filter. Yeah, the Instagram gives you the filter, so it, like, gives you the chance to, like, you know, correct the colors or something, whereas Tumblr, you had to have the discerning eye mm-hmm. from the get-go of, like, yeah. I know this is the best lavender picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, you curated this. You curated this photo of lavender just for me, and I love it. That, but specifically the era where the color grayish was a Tumblr thing. Grayish? It was a, a gray-beige hybrid. This was probably like 2015. It was like a very buzzy design word. But it just translates to what you're describing, Rachel, like very calming mm-hmm. tumblers <laughs> of just lovely, soothing pictures. I miss it. Bring her back. Which then inspired me to like buy a lot of grayish bedding, which I promptly, you know, stained. <laughs> wow. I have never heard of grayish, but I will have to look into that. Uh, let's get into your follows. Let's find out who Rachel Hampton and Madison Malone Kircher follow online. It's Final Friday. So before the show, I gave both of you a list of categories, and I asked each of you to tell me two people you follow who fit in those categories. Rachel, we'll start with you. I asked you for someone who inspires you, and you said Brandon Taylor, who writes the email newsletter Sweater Weather on Substack. So talk about what Brandon writes about and and why he inspires you. So he writes about so much. He's a cultural critic. Although it's really strange, he doesn't describe himself as a critic. He calls himself like a baby critic, even though he's like straight up writing essays about like how TikTok stars are like the new romantics and how internet novels are like gothic novels. It's like this return to like gothic literature. 
And so it's deeply funny to me that he's like, I'm not actually a cultural critic. I'm like a baby critic. And I'm like, if you're a baby critic, I don't know what the fuck I am. (laughs) (laughs) But he's just like, he has this amazing ability to kind of wed this like traditional literary critic sensibility where he's talking about like Calvinism and like Freud while describing like TikToks or like like Lauren Euler's fake accounts. And I just, I really love that. His Twitter presence is also amazing. I also feel like I should mention that he's also a writer. (laughs) Wrote like a really amazing novel called Real Life, um, which is like this kind of campus novel set at like an unnamed Midwest college. And it's about race. He also writes a lot about race, which I also enjoy. But he, he has this sensibility that I feel like a lot of Black critics should be able to do where he doesn't directly address like the white gaze or he very much is like, I'm not speaking to white people right now. I am following, like, I'm going to read like Marx and all these like mid-century writers, not because I want to be able to speak to the white writers of the nation or the new Republic, but because I want to know like what's being influencing my writing, like through this like kind of trickle down effect of being an American like literary society. And I really just love the kind of like posture he has and he's also just a really funny writer <laughs> like he's <laughs> he's just that helps yeah it also does help he's a really engaging funny writer and like he has very like kind of niche interests that are also overlap a lot with mine like he's really into the war of roses which is a very specific <laughs> your favorite English thing history. Yeah, like the, i'm like gonna the, question mark yeah like the game of the tudor dynasty like he's really into like the war of roses and i'm just like okay. i have never met anybody else who was into the specific era of history in the same way that like i have been <laughs> and so i just love <laughs> that he tweets about like the war of roses all the time or like the habsburgs or like random like royal dynasties and it's he tweets about it in the way that you like live tweet a show where he's like these are messy bitches who love drama like this like these upstart He's like tweeting it like he's tweeting like Real Housewives. And so it's just like this wedding sensibility is that I really love. So I was looking at his newsletter, Sweater Weather. It seems like he's really tapped into what he likes, what he knows. And and he's connecting Mm -hmm. cultural events like Montero to his own life. So he wrote in a recent newsletter about the moral panic over Lil Nas X and how it reminds him of being a school kid and hearing evangelical Christians freak out about stuff back then. He says uh, they banned books about magic and made rules about how we weren't allowed to engage in occult behaviors or activities. My bus driver banned doing sorcery and putting spells on people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which I I always really appreciate it when someone's able to take a historical event like the War of the Roses or a personal historical event and able to connect it in a really satisfying, engaging way to what's happening to our culture now. And it seems like he's really doing that. Yeah, it's really amazing the way that his, like, I think the kind of mark of a really good cultural critic is taking something that you may not necessarily be interested in, but, like, the weight of their passion for it just makes you care about it. And he has this ability to do that about literally anything. Like, I have never in my life thought, I want to read about what Calvinism is, but, like, reading Brandon Taylor's Substack, I'm just like, maybe I should read what find out what Calvinism is. <laughs> you, you want to read what he says about Calvinism. No, exactly. I'm just like, thing. what if you just distilled all of this down for me? Because I know if I actually read this, it's not going to be as interesting as you're making it seem. And so I just, mm-hmm. I really love that about him. 
And you also mentioned that he has a novel that came out last year mm-hmm. called Real Life. And I saw he has a collection of short stories mm-hmm. coming out in June called Filthy Animals. Yep. Um, do you have a preference for sort of like the type of writing he does, like novel versus newsletter, tweet? I don't know. I don't know if you have any particular I don't. Preference. Like he is just like the way he masters so many different kind of tones of voices is incredible. Like I'll read him across any platform, which is there are so many writers who write novels who I would never want to see their Twitter presence or their unfiltered Substack thoughts. <laughs> so the fact that <laughs> Brandon manages to just be so engaging across like all these different mediums is incredible. Like I'm really excited to read Filthy Animals. Um, I just yeah. think he's one of our best writers across all the platforms he writes on. Madison, any, um, I don't know, have you, have you uh, read any of uh, Brandon's work? I have. I think Rachel's really underplaying like how big of a War of the Roses stand she is. Like you just name check the Habsburgs and I feel like I need to know that in the first like pilot practice episode we recorded, you made like four <laughs> Archduke Ferdinand references. <laughs> okay, that's World War II, not War of the Roses, but yes, I have a very specific interest in like, I don't know why, like European war history. I think it's because like it's just messy white people. World War II was not just white people, but like that's... <laughs> It's like watching like Real Housewives of New Jersey, but like from 1565. <laughs> you, sh- you should do the their PR, <laughs> the Tudors PR. Yeah, that's a great sell. Put me in charge of the Tudor legacy. I swear I'll do it justice. <laughs> I didn't watch that. There was a there was a big TV show about the Tudors a little while back. Yeah, right? the Tudors. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's incredibly horny. It is really? one of the horniest shows I've ever watched. Which like it makes sense. <laughs> the Tudors were an incredibly horny dynasty. Um. But yes, it is just, it's a showtime show, I think. And yeah, it's just a lot of boobs, a lot of butts. Is that an endorsement or? <laughs> um, I don't know if it's an endorsement. It's it's a lot of people who actually know a lot about Tudor history don't like the show because it's really inaccurate, mm. as like most Tudor adaptations are. But it's really dramatic and it's like an engaging watch. Just don't go in expecting historical accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> Or like good dialogue. <laughs> well, that was Brandon Taylor, who writes the newsletter Sweater Weather. You can find it at blgtylr.substack.com. It's Final Friday. Let's move on to Madison's first pick. Madison, I asked you for someone who makes you laugh, and you said Christina Tucker, who's on Twitter at C underscore Grace T. She's the co-host of the podcast Unfriendly Black Hotties. So talk about Christina and why she makes you laugh. So Christina and I have never met. This is like a person I know only through the internet. And we were introduced by a mutual friend after I tweeted something really dumb about, I think it was the Oscars. Anyway, it was like comparing a dress that Greta Gerwig was wearing on a red carpet to the dress that Stockard Channing wears in the episode of The West Wing at her birthday party the night before she admits the whole like MS scandal. Sorry, spoiler alert, but that show's mad old. So <laughs> I guess I'm not going to watch if it. If you were still going to watch it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you, you, your time has come. Anyway, my friend was like, this tweet is for an audience of one. You need to meet Christina Tucker. Yeah who I have (laughs) since discovered just to be an incredibly funny writer, podcaster. She's, you know, whether she's tweeting about, like, she has this whole great bit about how she's a coat sexual. She's, like, really attracted to good coats. I don't know if, (laughs) did you watch the flight, either of you watch the flight attendant? No. 
Okay, that show is just like a, a pay-in to good coats. <laughs> it's, it's Kaylee Cuoco in endless good coats. Um, like this t- Earlier this week, she tweeted, what is perhaps the most compelling argument for me watching The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and that is that apparently there are good coats in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I have not noticed good coats, but now I will be watching for them. I gotta, you know, check this out. I gotta pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) She's got this great running bit about just, like, I don't know how dirty we can get on this podcast. Go for it. Like, the... the things she wants Alice and Janney to do to her, I respect, <laughs> and I respect even more that she puts them on the internet. Uh, I think that's how the secret works, right? <laughs> you just put it out there in the world and hope it happens. Yeah, she's also uh, one of three co-hosts on a limited-run podcast called A Simple Podcast, which is about the movie. Have you seen A Simple Favor? It's uh, I have. Blake, Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. Yeah. It's a movie that like you would watch on a plane, and then you realize halfway through the flight, like, this movie is so much better than JetBlue deserves. <laughs> I saw that in the theater, actually. Wow. Okay, yeah. I did not. It had a good trailer. It had a very, it had a very like what the hell is going on trailer. So that was enough to get me in the door. <laughs> I warn you, you go poking around in her past, you're gonna find something that is terrifying. She was not a normal person like you or me. I've never seen such a beautiful girl want to be so invisible. Yeah, she co-hosts this podcast with Alana Bennett and Jordan Cricciola, who are two other women on Twitter that I think are very funny and talented writers. It's sort of like a perfect encapsulation of what I love about Christina's humor. She just like picks a bit, picks a, <laughs> a, a niche, a movie, and is like jokes for, for This eternity. is my lane. This is where I am. <laughs> this is it, yes. And I think they ultimately wound up getting Paul Feig on, on the show. The director of the movie. Yes. Wow. I love it when, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of these. There's podcasts and blogs and stuff where it's just like this specific movie we are only talking about this one thing um my favorite of which which i haven't actually listened to but conceptually my favorite is i think it's called the worst idea of all time um and it's a podcast where these comedians decided to watch i think it was grown-ups 2 or maybe paul blurt 2 every week for a year (laughs) and they just decided we can make this entertaining (laughs) I didn't know there was a Paul Blart too. I think there was, yeah. There was. <laughs> I didn't see it, but there was. Rachel says that so knowingly, yes. like, you know. <laughs> Just, you know. Rachel wrote the, wrote the Wikipedia yes, page. Yes, I did. For Paul Having Blart not seen too. it, I watched the Paul, I wrote the Paul Blart 2 Wikipedia page. Yeah. Seems like one of those movies you don't actually have to watch, yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> but back to West Wing. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's good to know that West Wing is a, is a uh, big part of Christina's online identity because I recently, she recently did a critique of this TikTok where a guy imagined what would the West Wing do if they if there was an episode now about the Suez Canal mm-hmm. being blocked. Um, did you see this TikTok? Where, where I did see this TikTok. It's a walk and talk and it's a guy on TikTok like imagine here's what Sam says, here's what Toby says, here's what CJ says. And I really loved Christina's uh, reaction to this because she was she was like, okay, Sam and Toby, they're perfect, but Josh would actually say this, CJ would actually say that, and there would definitely be a reference to HMS Pinafore in there somewhere. That That is a, a deep level of knowledge and <laughs> just an intimate sense of exactly how the series would handle this. And it, her, her critique rung perfectly true for me as a fan of that show. It's perfectly true, and the thing I love most about her her West Wing bits in particular is, like, this is a show that you could, like, drive a truck through the holes in the plot, the problems in, in the plot in 2021. And so I love that she is able to, like, craft these witticisms about it that allow 
me as a like once upon a time West Wing lemon liman stan. <laughs> Donna struck gold. What is it? Lemonlimon.com. What is it? It's your fan site. What are you talking about? There's a website devoted to all things Josh. You're kidding me. No. Lemonlimon.com. <laughs> Rachel is just you don't need to know and it's better that you okay. don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll stay in ignorant blue. But she crafts these these jokes in such a great way. Her tone is just always so spot on in that like she's making fun of it, but also in the way that only like a fan can make fun of something and criticize something. I should have realized that that nominating Christina here was going to force me to out myself as like a has watched the West Wing <laughs> a dozen times start to finish type. There's this two of us on the, on the podcast. So you're, you're in good company. You know? <laughs> Okay. I see what kind of podcast I'm on. War of the Roses, not allowed. West Wing, we got it. I feel we had, we encouraged the War of the Roses dialogue. <laughs> there is room for all of these messy governmental, you know, <laughs> p- political political dramas here. We, we, have, we have room for everybody. <laughs> that was Christina Tucker, who's on Twitter at C underscore Grace T. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back in a minute with Rachel Hampton and Madison Malone-Kircher from ICYMI. Today's show is brought to you by Captivate, which I use to host Follow Friday. Captivate gives you the freedom and flexibility to make that podcast you have been dreaming of. For one fixed cost, you can create unlimited podcasts, and unlike some hosting platforms, you don't need to pay to unlock advanced professional features. Even on the lowest cost plan, every feature is available to you on day one. I've been using Captivate for a couple months now, and it has been a dream. Try it out for yourself at captivate.fm slash follow Friday. And when you do, you can get a 28-day extended free trial when you enter the promo code follow Friday, which is all one word. That's captivate.fm promo code follow Friday. Before we get back to Rachel and Madison, thank you to Chris for reviewing Follow Friday on Podchaser this week. Chris says he listened to last week's episode with Johanna Buya and loved her well-thought-out, insightful responses. If you want to encourage other people to listen to Follow Friday, you should be like Chris and leave a review. Go to lovethepodcast.com slash followfriday and click on any of the options there. One cool thing in particular is that this month, April, when you leave a review for any podcast on Podchaser, they will make a donation to Meals on Wheels. And if you're reviewing a show that uses Captivate, like mine, then Captivate will match the donation. So remember, be like Chris, tell other people what you like about the show at lovethepodcast.com slash follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. We're here with Rachel Hampton and Madison Malone-Kircher from ICYMI. And now it's back to Rachel to talk about her next follow. She picks someone who both makes her laugh and makes her think. That person is Jasmine Sanders, who's on Twitter at Jazz Money Records. Uh, Jazz is spelled J-A-S, Money Records. So looking at Jasmine's Twitter account, I I think I see, Rachel, why you say she belongs in both these categories. But why don't you explain why you had to bend the rules a little? 
Yeah, I really had to cheat with Jasmine just because she is one of the funniest people on Twitter. But it also just felt so kind of like diminishing to only be like, she makes me laugh when she's also just like an incredible cultural critic. Like she wrote Mm -hmm. this piece about um, black romantic art, which is um, kind of referencing these mass production prints that like are very familiar to me and like most black people like you see them in everybody's houses and like where they came from and how they like came to just be ubiquitous um and it was just such an amazing piece of writing it's honestly unfair that she just is also so funny on twitter like i i think she went off twitter for maybe like six months or like a few months during the pandemic and there are so few people who i'm like if i haven't seen their tweets in a few months i'm like all right whatever i'm sure they're fine but jasmine was gone and i was like where did she go? <laughs> like, I need... <laughs> Twitter is worse now. No, I was like, no. Twitter is worse now. I need her take on, like, something, like, absolutely dumb that's going across the feed. Like, she's just, like, biting and irreverent and also, like, willing to kind of, like, make fun of herself in a way that doesn't cross over into the, like, imminent self-negging that so many people kind of do. And, like... I'm right here, Rachel. I'm right here. <laughs> you know, we have a saying in the South, hit dogs holler. Whoever feels called out by that, love yourself a little bit more. <laughs> Jasmine is just like I I feel like she also belongs in the category of like I would love to be friends with her because she's just like everything she tweets about I'm just like wow how are you so funny (laughs) (laughs) I saw something she tweeted a couple years ago she was quote tweeting Paris Hilton who had said uh, if you don't know what to say just be like that's hot and Jasmine quote tweeted to say Paris, you are 37. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Just the economy of that burn. (laughs) Yeah, it's just beautiful. Like, so many people use quote tweets and, like, to dunk on people in a way where I'm just like, that's boring. 27 other people have done that. But when Jasmine does it, I'm like, wow. (laughs) That's original. Nailed it. Yep, absolutely nailed it. (laughs) When someone says that someone, you know, makes them think, I often like to ask, what's something they either changed your mind about, changed your perspective about? Is there anything that comes to mind there where it's like, I don't know, something you read that Jasmine wrote that really, you know, moved you, changed you in some way? Yeah, there was this piece she wrote in the New York Times about um, black women and like fur coats, which there's this very kind of one note discussion about fur coats right now because of like PETA and animal rights, which like, Mm. obviously we all support animal rights. We don't all support PETA because they're crazy sometimes. But the piece she wrote was just there was like a level of care in it that I don't think a lot of cultural critics take with the things that they're discussing or like writing about. And I don't think all critics have to kind of bring a personal element into their writing, but the way that Jasmine does it, it just feels like so like organic and natural and just moving. And like whenever, literally whenever she writes anything, I'm like, immediate bookmark tab like I'm gonna save that to read later like I'm not gonna half read it while I'm in a meeting like I'm gonna make sure I'm like sitting in a place and like I have time to fully engage with what she's writing about that is a really good endorsement I gotta say (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that paired with like she's a person who made Twitter worse by leaving it (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I, like can you give higher internet praise (laughs) (laughs) who knows but Jasmine deserves all of it (laughs) Uh, another thing that I noticed when I was looking at her Twitter feed is like, as you said, she's incredibly funny, incredibly smart, but she's also seems to be really cognizant of the way that our attention is so easily distractible online, where she's very 
uh, cleverly like refocusing the conversation. It mixed in in between the tweets. She'll be tweeting about news with about like trying to focus the conversation on like, hey, you know, th- this is still a major problem. Ta- talking about you know deaths from COVID, talking about police violence, talking about all these things that are really heavy, not funny issues. But she finds a way to thread that needle, which I really admire for a creative person who is still posting really funny stuff other at other times. Um, she's able to make that work for her account for the, for the, the sort of stuff she posts. I'm thinking about the time she tweeted she was going to start like OnlyFans for plant pictures. Yes. <laughs> just like, yes. I would give that so much money. At one point she was like tweeting about, she was like, who wants to know about like the drama and like plant influencer like Instagram right now? And I was just like, what? give me 5,000 words about that. Like, I want to know about this. Please <laughs> tell me immediately. Yeah. And she like, it's when someone's really funny on Twitter and like, it's part of their like, quote unquote brand. When they like, choose to kind of turn a serious lens towards something, it kind of hits. It can either come off as diminishing or just like, have kind of a heavier weight to it. And I think Jasmine managed yeah. to like, turn the topics she actually like, really cares about. And like, make sure that it gives like the kind of proper weight to it. Keep using the word weight. Totally. I don't know why. <laughs> gravitas. Oh yeah. Gravitas, gravitas is the word that I was looking for. Thank you, Madison. <laughs> that was Jasmine Sanders. Who's on Twitter at jazz money records. It's final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. And it's going back to Madison. I asked for someone she's embarrassed to admit she follows. And she said the queer Kate Blanchett lookbook. Um, as a straight guy, I don't think I should say the name of this account, but it's <laughs> on Instagram. Madison, do you want to give the username? Yes, the account is at Dyke Blanchett. There it is. So talk about this account. I am very curious to see how you're going to define this for the listeners who can't see it right now. <laughs> it is a it is a perfect place on the internet. Number one, if you haven't seen Carol the movie, that Great might movie. be a good place. That might be a good place to start for understanding sort of the uh, the ethos of at Dyke Planchette on Instagram, but it is a a meme page that is devoted to cataloging all of the quote-unquote sapphic looks of Kate Planchette. So basically it's a meme page engineered to trigger all of my pleasure centers. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hi, mom. Um, There are pictures of just Kate Planchette in like endless suits, in various pairs of good eyewear, standing next to Jillian Anderson, do you remember there was a, a series of press photos from Cannes Film Festival a couple of years ago that came out where Kristen Stewart is just staring like super longingly in the background at Kate Blanchett? <laughs> like that's that's the like platonic ideal <laughs> meme image for this. In, page. in the language of this Instagram account, we are all Kristen Stewart. That's the that's <laughs> yes. the, the perspective. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You know, there's, there's, I'm thinking like, I was like, explain a meme. There's, you know, a picture of Kate Blanchett in a mask and somebody's holding up one of those like ray gun thermometers they use in, you know, hygiene theater all over the world. And it's like Kate <laughs> Blanchett test positive for big dyke energy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can only imagine. It's, it's a beautiful place. That, that video of Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara has to be on there, right? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> what what video is this? Oh, they're doing press for, um, it must be Carol, right? Yeah, they're, they're in Carol together. Yeah, I, was like, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen Carol. This is where I'm outing myself. Well, they're both. There's a new movie they're both in. There was like a press still that came out, and they're both in period pieces. So I definitely wrote a dumb blog that was like, Carol Two looks really great. <laughs> uh, it's it's not Carol Two. Hold on, it's basically Carol, Carol Two. two. Um, but in this video, like <laughs> Rooney Mara, I think an interviewer asked her, "What? It, how do you 
portray attraction to Kate Blanchett or something like something like how did you kind of like get that kind of chemistry and like Kate Blanchett says something like why don't you take this one darling and Rooney Mara just looks so flustered as she's answering this question like she's like just like <laughs> looking over at like Kate just like <laughs> like it's, it's I'm just like <laughs> there's something going like anybody who is complimented by Kate Blanchett or called darling by her would probably look the same way but it's just like I can't imagine that this video <laughs> would not be on this specific account it is a uh, a Guillermo del Toro movie that oh. has nothing to do with with Carol, but <laughs> well, Guillermo watched Carol and was just like, "Yes, I would like to make one of these." Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, that was possibly one of my favorite headlines. Headline? Maybe I didn't get them put in the headline. There's a joke in there that reads like Carol to the Empire Dykes Back, which is <laughs> I'm proud of that. You one. should be. That goes into your Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I, like, at the risk of sounding like a crazy person who, like, Kate's PR person is going to put on, like, a blacklist forever, <laughs> I was watching all of the Marvel movies in quarantine, some of them for the first time, um, and we got to Thor Ragnarok, mm. which I didn't know anything about. I didn't know anything about the cast of, and Kate Blanchett is in this, mm-hmm. and just the, like, first time she appears, her, like, body in shadow, I was like, oh, Kate Blanchett. <laughs> <laughs> Clocked it right away. <laughs> you didn't even see her face, just her shadowed silhouette. <laughs> yeah. She's like walking out of like a space portal or something, and she's all dressed wow. up in this like crazy black leather getup, and you you immediately yes. recognized. <laughs> That's a talent. <laughs> I'm a broken woman. We should probably acknowledge, so as to not uh, antagonize her her PR people, that Kate Blanchett is Kate Blanchett married is... to a man. <laughs> yeah, uh, and she's she's married to a man named Andrew Upton. Um, I was just listening to an episode of Ologies recently talking about fandom, and they're talking about how in fan fiction it's really common, you know, for characters who were written as either ambiguously sexual or straight to be reinterpreted as queer. And the difference here is like this is sort of like fan fiction, but this is a real person. So I. I I don't know, Madison. What, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, does that? I'm not trying to be a party pooper on this on this very uh, very fun, very very you know. I think generally harmless account, but but does that give you any pause? Not really. I I don't know. I don't think you take the the role in Ocean's Eight that Kate Blanchett opted to take, which was basically just like a parade of excellent sentient suits, <laughs> without like being in on this bit, without knowing that you have this like built in fan base. <laughs> who enjoy your performances. And I think it's harmless. I like to think it's harmless, yeah. mostly because I think that there's, uh, like, we're, we should be past the point societally where, like, oh, no, someone thinks you're gay. Like, that's not an right. insult. Yeah, it's, uh, we're not in Chandler Bing territory anymore. We're, we're long past that. Um, I'm going to give you a totally unfair and impossible question, and either of you can chime in here. Top three Kate Blanchett performances. Ooh. <sighs> so I just watched Lord of the Rings for the first time, so I guess I will put that up there. That was pretty great. I, I think I think every every movie should start with with a Kate Blanchett monologue. <laughs> the world is changing. Just literally yes, any any yep. franchise, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is Kate Blanchett talking to me about this world. Maybe I'll actually finish this movie this time. And I did. Yeah. Um <laughs> it worked. It worked. And I know Ocean's Eight gets dragged a lot, but I really liked it. <laughs> I really like Kate Blanchett's appointment. <laughs> I only saw it once. I gotta see it again. Yeah. It's fun. Blue Jasmine, obviously. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet. It's on my list. Okay, that, yeah. Blue Jasmine, Carol, honestly, maybe Lord of the Rings in third. All that matters is that Where'd You Go, Bernadette is at, like, the bottom mm. of this ranking. I, like I saw the trailer for that, and the reviews were so bad that I that I stayed away when I it like came out. I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like that book. <laughs> wow. 
Well, uh, wherever, wherever you come down and where'd you go, Bernadette? That was the queer Kate Blanchett lookbook, which is on Instagram. Its username is a word that means lesbian and starts with D, followed by Blanchett, which is spelled with two T's. Rachel and Madison, thank you so much for sharing your follows with us today. Before we go, let's make sure the listeners know how to find both of you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. All my handles are the same on every platform. It's Haydenay, H-E-Y-Y-D-N-A-E. Madison? My handles are also the same on every platform, and I am at Forever Malone, but the good spellings of that were taken by the time I joined Twitter, so that is at numeral four, E-V-R-M-A-L-O-N-E. <laughs> Anything for a good pun. You know, it's worth it. You go to any lengths. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ and this show on Twitter or Instagram at FollowFridayPod. And a quick request, if you're in a group chat or a Discord or a Facebook group where people recommend podcasts, please consider giving Follow Friday a shout out. This episode, any episode, you can find them all at FollowFridayPodcast.com. I really appreciate everything listeners like you do to spread the word about this show. So thank you. Follow Friday's theme music was written by me and performed by Yuna Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermawan. Additional music by Purple Planet Music and Catherine Chang. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday. Woo. That was fun. I did really wonder if you were going to say the name. 